0: Hey, everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Tuesday, July 12th. The January 6th House Select Committee held its seventh public hearing today. And today's focus, the days after the election inside the White House and the role extremist groups played. There is one very simple thread from the very first public hearing of the January 6th committee through to today's seventh hearing, Donald J. Trump. That is the focus of this committee. His connection, his responsibility, his culpability, his inaction, his action. And that continued today as the hearing attempted to sort of put forth any and all links between former President Trump and the far-right extremist groups that were at the vanguard of the violence on the 6th of January. Committee Chairman Benny Thompson set the tone early on.
1: You can't turn violent. You can't try to achieve your desired outcome through force or harassment or intimidation. Any real leader who sees their supporters going down that path, approaching that line, has a responsibility to say,
0: stop. One point that Vice Chair Liz Cheney was making early on in the hearing was that December 14th, 2020, the day that the Electoral College convened in the 50 state capitals across the country and cast their ballots and certified the final electoral counts from each state and then shipped those off to the Library of Congress and the Congress itself, That should have been the end of this process. That is clearly not where Donald Trump believed the process should end. And it is from there in the lead up to the weeks ahead to that January 6th moment of the sort of pro forma congressional action of finalizing the Electoral College count that Donald Trump and his allies saw as the new target. As the new date to circle on the calendar for when they think they could complete their attempted coup. And Liz Cheney, once again with Donald Trump square in her sights, says there is no excuse for the former president's behavior. President Trump is a 76 year old man. He is not an impressionable child. Just like everyone else in our country, he is responsible for his own actions and his own choices. No rational, or sane man in his position could disregard that information and reach the opposite conclusion. Now, remember, you got to put yourself back into December 2020. The Attorney General Bill Barr had already made his comments to the Associated Press that there was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Today, we heard depositions from Trump's Labor Secretary, Eugene Scalia, from Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, and again, White House Counsel Pat Cipollone, saying that they believed This had sort of reached its natural conclusion. And even Mark Meadows was under the impression, apparently, in the way that he had a conversation with Attorney General Barr, that Trump was coming around to the idea, becoming more realistic about losing the election. But as the committee pointed out today, that, in fact, was not the case. Donald Trump was not becoming more realistic about losing the election. And that became pretty obvious from the meetings that were taking place inside the White House in that critical month of December 2020. Listen to former Attorney General Barr discuss when Donald Trump asked him about the ability and power for him to seize the voting machines.
1: My recollection is the president said something like, well, we could get to the bottom. Some people say we could get to the bottom of this if, if the department sees the machines. And I said, absolutely not. There's no probable cause. And I'm not going to seize any machines. And that was that.
0: Pat Cipollone, Donald Trump's White House counsel, said in his deposition that he was concerned that this idea was being discussed.
1: When other people kept suggesting that there was, the answer is, what is it? And at some point, you have to put up or shut up. Have the federal government seize voting machines? It's a terrible idea for that. That's not how we do things in the United States. There's no legal authority
0: to do that. Now, the seizing of the voting machines was part of this sort of conspiracy theory cadre of outside advisors that were getting in the ear of then-President Trump. Committee member Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland, led a portion of the hearing today, and he said that the plan proposed was to name Sidney Powell as a special counsel. Now, she was one of Trump's attorneys in that post-election period who was sort of the lead conspiracy theorist. She was working with Michael Flynn and Rudy Giuliani. She brought up the totally unfounded claim that there was foreign interference in the election. And there was some plan afoot for Donald Trump to actually appoint her as a special counsel. And in fact, Powell, in her deposition, said that she recalled Trump naming her special counsel and seeking to give her Security clearance. One of the moments in today's hearing takes us through from lots of different perspectives of a singular meeting that took place on December 18th, 2020. Started in the Oval Office, but it morphed into other portions of the West Wing and the official residence inside the White House. Jamie Raskin described the six plus hour meeting as, quote, the craziest meeting of the Trump presidency. It was during that meeting. That Sidney Powell, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, former Overstock.com CEO Patrick Byrne, spent some time talking with the president. They didn't have an official appointment with the president and yet found themselves waved in to the Oval Office to pitch some of their conspiracy theories. Listen to White House counsel Pat Cipollone, who was in that meeting.
1: I opened the door and I walked in. I saw General Flynn. I saw Sidney Powell sitting there. I was not happy to see the people in the Oval Office. Well, again, I I don't think they were providing. I don't think any of these people were providing the president with good advice. So I, I, I didn't understand how they had gotten in.
0: Now I'm going to play some clips from Cipollone, Trump White House lawyer Eric Hirschman, and former White House advisor Derek Lyons' depositions to the January 6th committee that were shown in today's hearing. They all spoke about what went on in that room from their various perspectives. It was not a casual meeting. I mean, at times there were people
1: shouting at each other, hurling insults at each other. It wasn't just sort of people sitting around on a couch, like chit chatting. Yeah, I remember the three of them were really sort of forcefully attacking me, verbally, (laughs) Um, Eric. Derek and we were pushing back and we were asking one simple question as a, as a general matter. Where is the evidence?
0: I think that it got to the point where the screaming was completely,
1: completely out there. I mean, you get people walk in, it was late at night, it had been a long day, and what they were proposing I thought was nuts.
0: And now here's Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani describing that wild meeting.
1: Cipollone and Hirschman and uh... Whoever the other guy was showed nothing but contempt and disdain uh, of the president. I mean, if, if it had been me sitting in his chair, I would have fired all of them that night and had them escorted out of the building. I'm going I'm to categorically describe it as you guys are not tough enough. Or maybe I put it another way, you're a bunch of pieces. Excuse the expression.
0: We also learned in the committee's presentation today that Giuliani's legal team knew There was not sufficient evidence to support the election fraud claims, citing emails from a member of Giuliani's team. We also heard from campaign advisor Jason Miller, who was quite clear in his deposition to the committee that there was not a sufficient level of fraud, the kind of which Trump and some of these more fringe players were claiming. And it was the very next day after that wild meeting that Donald Trump sent out that tweet That said in part, quote, big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. We'll be wild. Here are committee members Stephanie Murphy and Jamie Raskin.
1: This tweet served as a call to action and in some cases as a call to arms for many of President Trump's most loyal supporters. Never before
0: in American history had a president called for a crowd to come contest the counting of electoral votes by Congress. Or engaged in any effort designed to influence, delay, or obstruct the joint session of Congress in doing its work required by our Constitution and the Electoral Count Act. We also learned that the committee thinks Trump was planning for days before January 6th to ask his supporters to march to the Capitol. The panel read an unsent tweet intended for Trump's account. It read, quote, I will be making a big speech at 10 a.m. on January 6th at the Ellipse, south of the White House. Please arrive early. Massive crowds expected. March to the Capitol after. Stop the steal. Jamie Raskin made the claim in the hearing today that Trump allies Michael Flynn, who was in that unhinged meeting we talked about, and Roger Stone, both of them, worked with far-right extremist groups ahead of the January 6th riot, the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. According to the committee, Roger Stone also used encrypted chats to communicate with the leaders of both groups, a claim Stone's lawyer denied today. The committee showed pictures of Flynn with indicted Oath Keeper Roberto Minuta and Stuart Rhodes. And there was some pretty compelling live witness testimony today as well, with two former Trump supporters, committed Trump supporters, one of whom has pleaded guilty to entering the Capitol illegally on January 6th. His name is Stephen Ayers. He told the committee that he was on social media all the time. He followed President Trump and believed very much in what the president was saying, and he felt the need to go to Washington, D.C. on that day. He said he no longer believes the election was stolen and he has since deleted all his social media and started doing more of his own research in the aftermath of the 6th.
1: There's no way you can keep something like that quiet as big as something like that, you know, with all the, you know, all the lawsuits being shot down one after another. That, that was mainly what convinced
0: me. Would it have made a difference to you to know that President Trump himself had no evidence of widespread fraud?
1: Oh, definitely. You know, um, who knows? I may not have come, come down here then, you know.
0: Jason Van Tatenhoff also testified publicly at the hearing today. He used to be a spokesman for the Oath Keepers.
1: They may not like to call themselves a militia, but they are. They're a violent militia. I think the, the best illustration for what the Oath Keepers are happened January 6th when we saw that stacked military formation going up the stairs of our capital. What it was going to be was an armed revolution. I mean, people died that day. This could have been the spark that started a new civil war.
0: Raskin asked him what the Oath Keepers saw in Trump.
1: They saw a, a, a path forward that would have legitimacy. They saw opportunity, I think, in my opinion, to, um, to become a, a pal- paramilitary force. I think we've gotten exceedingly lucky that more bloodshed did not happen because the potential has been there from the start. The loss of life was, and as tragic as it is, that we saw on January 6th, the potential was so much more. I do fear for this next election cycle.
0: Those are some pretty chilling words to hear spoken today from a former member of this group. And in fact, in Jamie Raskin's closing statement, he made a plea that for whatever may occur throughout these hearings and how the public absorbs them, for however the committee's final report may be received, the critical test here is going to be what are we going to do as a country in the aftermath of all of this fact case being put forth to fortify our democracy for the next election cycle, to ensure that this doesn't happen again? That is a critical question that the congressman put to all of us, because it's going to be on all of us to ensure that this doesn't happen again. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.